Hey, thank you for coming out tonight. Uh, I am Pastor Ray Alvigar. My, my wife Esther is right over here. Give her a good applause, if you will, please. All right. We've been married 34 years coming up. In, mark it down, August the 16th. I'm on a car from everybody, okay? August the 16th. 34 years. And so we got married when we were 10 years old. And uh, now it's an old Latin thing, right? No. It feel, we felt like that when we got married. And so, um, so God's on our side. Amen. So I'm glad to be here tonight and uh, I'm glad to be a friend of Pastor Mike and Beth. We've known them since they started the church here and uh, went to Bible school at Ramah as well. That's where I met Esther. And uh, I'm just delighted to have you with us tonight. Let's pray and let's get, let's get in the word. All right. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. We worship your wonderful name. We trust now the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth, to cause your word to come alive on the inside of our hearts, or we can hear it and just go do it, just go live it. Because, Lord, it's in the application of the word that our lives are transformed. We thank you so much in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Before you sit down, shake a couple of hands tonight. Tell two people, pay attention tonight. God's going to talk to you, all right? I believe he is. Pay attention. God's going to talk to you. He talks to us. He talks to us in his word. Amen. How many here uh, would say that, um, you know, there's a few things in my life that uh, are trying to cause me a little bit of worry? Anybody out there right now like that? The rest of you guys are just not honest, huh? All right. And um, how can we win over worry? That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Worry is a real thing. Brother Hagen said worry is the greatest temptation that we will ever face. Uh, worry puts a question mark where God has put a period. Worry comes to all of us. Uh, life can be stressful. Isn't that true? I drove down tonight, 57 freeway, 5 freeway. Does that say enough right there? <laughs> life can be stressful, you know. And so uh, it just has a way of doing that. It seems to me that uh, uh, the pace of life, I mean, I pastored B.C. before computers, before cell phones. We had ledgers in the old days. Actually, we wrote entries by hand in the old days of, of people's, you know, financial records. It was all done by hand in the old days, and computers were like, you know, and that's a thing of the past. And so all these things, computers, cell phones, ta- I'm using a tablet tonight to read the scripture, tablets, all the things, seems to me all the things that were given and invented to make life easier has made life more pressurized. It's caused life to be more stressful, it seems to me, because we're always, always available. I hope Pastor Mike has his cell phone turned off. Time was, we can get away and say, well, you got to call, you know, the hotel and leave a message. Or we go, she's from New Mexico, so we go there every single summer. We say, call, call my father-in-law and leave a message with him if you've got to reach me because, you know, you can't really reach me up there. And now we're always, always available, right, with cell phones and all this stuff. Life is different. Life is going pretty fast. And so worry can be a real issue in our lives and how can we win over worry? What did Jesus say about this? Turn, please. Let's look first in the book of Luke, chapter number 10. If you will, if you have a Bible, Luke chapter number 10 tonight. I'm here to tell you that Jesus can be sitting right here in the room with us right now, physically. And you could still be worried about stuff. So, oh, no, not me, Pastor Ray. If Jesus was, was sitting in my house And if he was sitting on my sofa, and if he was teaching, there is no way in the world I'd be worried about anything. Really? Martha was right here in Luke chapter number 10. Let's look at this, please. How can I win over worry? 
Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse number 38. Now what happened? And as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So here is Jesus, and he is, I mean, he's a guest in their house. Martha lives here. Mary is her sister. Their brother is named Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So Martha welcomes him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard, or literally, she was listening to his word, which means Jesus was saying something. And when he's saying something, you want to pay attention. Are you with me? So here he is. He's in the house. I I picture him as seated probably on a sofa or in a chair or something of that nature. And and he's sharing. He's talking. And here's and here's Mary. She stops what she's doing. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is saying something. And she's sitting at his feet and she's listening to his word. But Martha. Everybody say, but Martha. Uh Uh-oh. Here is Martha. Now, here's her sister sitting down, hearing the word. There's Jesus, the Son of Almighty God, sharing the word like nobody else ever could. But Martha was distracted. She was what? Distracted. You mean to tell me Jesus can be in the house, in your living room, sitting in your lazy boy, not just sitting there saying something. I mean, he's teaching. The word's coming out of his mouth. And you can be so distracted, you're not even paying attention to what he's saying. It's exactly what happened to her. And the Bible says she was distracted by much serving. You who serve in ministry, be careful of being distracted by much serving. You who serve in ministry, be careful that our attempts to work for God actually take us away from time with God. Are you listening to me now? I learned a long time ago, um, years ago, Dr. Roy Hicks, whom your pastor loved very much as well. Many, many years ago, he was such an influence in our life when we, we began pastoring in 83. And, um, and he would say, listen, he would say, Ray, don't, don't preach from preparation, preach from the overflow. You gotta, you gotta put the word in you and preach from the overflow. Don't just think that your study time is your, is your, is, or your preparation time is your personal study time. Don't get those mixed up. Always have a time in the word that's separate from your preparation time of preparing sermons and teachings and all that kind of stuff like that. Are you with me? Because much serving, listen, she's trying to serve Jesus. But much serving can draw us away from Jesus. We can get so bogged. Oh, it's my turn again on Sunday. Oh, I'm at the ushers again on Sunday. Oh, I'm in the parking lot. Oh, I got children's church again. Oh, I got to be up there singing. We can get so bogged down. And all these things are for the kingdom. We can get so bogged down and so worried and, and just, and just, you know, burdened down by these things that working for God actually destroys the work of God. Isn't that a terrible thing? And so Martha here is distracted by much serving. And then it gets worse. She approaches Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care? What, you're asking Jesus if he cares? What do you mean, doesn't he care? He's going to die on the cross for you. But we can get so messed up and so, you know, with worry and cares and burdens and it begins to affect our thinking and we, we just get all mixed up here to where we question, does God even care about me? Has God forgotten about me? 
Does God even care what's going on in my life? When the Bible says he'll perfect that which concerns me, even the very hairs of our head are numbered. May it never change. Amen? (laughs) And so she says, Lord, she approaches Jesus and Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to come help me. Lord, tell her to get up and quit listening to you. Lord, just stop teaching, please. Tell her to get up and stop paying attention to you and stop listening to you and get up and help me surf. Wow. Can a person get that burdened down by worry that they actually begin to affect somebody else's relationship with God? The answer is yes. The old saying, misery loves company, right? And so Jesus, he'd heard enough. And in verse number 41, he answered and said to her, Martha, Martha had to say her name twice. I think the first time she didn't catch it, you know. Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things. But one thing is needed and Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen. We have to choose where our attention goes We have to choose what we focus on. We have to choose to refuse to be worried. We have to choose to not be distracted. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What is worry? Worry is nothing less than the misuse of our imagination. When we should be having vision and dreams of God's goodness and God's blessing and God's plan for our life. People can misuse that God-given ability to dream and to imagine. And instead of seeing the goodness of God and the blessings of God and breakthroughs in our life and God using our life for his eternal purposes, all of a sudden that's turned against us. And we can be, all we see is challenges and problems and troubles and, and we just misuse our God-given imagination. Turn, please, to the book of Matthew, if you will, please, chapter number 6. The book of Matthew, please, chapter number 6. And let's see what Jesus himself says here about worry. Matthew 6, we'll begin in verse number 25. Winning, how we can win. How can we win over worry? If you've come in tonight, And there's just things trying to attack your mind. You find yourself waking up at night. Your mind's just revved up and the the needle is over in the red, so to speak. And and you try to sleep and you got this going, that going. Man, you've come to the right place tonight because there is help. And God will help you tonight if we'll put some things to work in his word. Notice here, please, Matthew 6, 25. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not, or, or about the rent, or about the mortgage, or about the economy, or about your 401k, or about your children, or about your job, or about your lack of a job, or whatever. Are you with me? Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father 
your father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature, or it also reads, can add one day to your lifespan? We know for a fact, medically, worry will shorten your lifespan, right? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon and all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry, says it again. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, you weren't born a worrier. I've got three grandchildren. I have four sons. My dad had four sons. I've got four sons. And now I've got two grand, th- three grandchildren. Two of them are boys. But I've got a little beautiful Olivia, three-year-old granddaughter. And she is so sweet, so precious, so wonderful. And she comes over the house all the time and, and, uh, and she's over and, and Esther just loves her and pampers her because she never got a little girl of her own. So she had to wait one generation, but God is faithful to give you the desires of your heart. And my little Olivia, my little granddaughter, I, I call her my sweetness, my little sweetness. She's three years old. I never have seen her say, Papa, uh, uh, can, can we have dinner tonight? Papa, can you make the house payment? Papa, I'm just so worried. I'm just so, I'm just so concerned. She's carefree. She just comes and says, Papa, I want some juice. How much juice do you want? I got all you want, my sweetness. Papa, I'm hungry. Papa, whatever. I mean, you know, she has zero care. She wasn't, nobody's born worrying. You know what? Worrying is a learned habit. How many here? We're raised by world-class worriers. Man, I can, I tell you, my dad used to worry. He would worry so much, he would be muttering under his breath. Like mumbling. You'd hear him just over there, like mumbling, you know. And, uh, and just he was so burdened down and consuming. He didn't know anything about the word or about faith or anything. And he just didn't know how to trust God. So he'd just be burdened down by stuff. And you'd literally hear him just almost gibberish, just mumbling under his breath. One day I was studying from the Old Testament about meditation in the Word. The Word of God says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. And I found out that one definition from the Hebrew of the word meditation is to mutter. And it hit me. All meditation is, is worry in a positive way. Think about the word. 
Think about the promises. Think about your covenant. Think about the blood. Think about Jesus' faithfulness. That's, when we're worried, we're preoccupied. When we're worried, when we're worried, things revolve in our mind. We see him from this angle, from that angle. Meditate means to revolve in the mind. It means to mutter. It means like a cow chewing the cud. And when you worry, you revolve in the mind, you mutter, you see it from this angle, you chew it, you go over it and go, all worry is, is meditation used against you. And listen, any place a person can worry, and can you worry pretty much any place? Can you worry, you know, laying in bed at night? Oh, yeah. Can you worry driving in the car? No doubt about it. Can you worry out maybe doing some gardening or yard work? Yep. Can you worry at your desk at work? Absolutely. Can you worry taking the dog for a walk? No doubt about it. Pretty much anywhere you are, you can worry. So anywhere you can worry, you can meditate the word. Just change that and put it to work for you. Now, Jesus here said, listen, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. In fact, don't worry about anything. So people have learned to worry. Worry is a learned habit. I know some people, when things are going well, they get really worried, like, oh, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> this foreboding, you know, like they're worried when there's nothing to worry about. There's a better way for us to live. Amen. Someone said this, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't take you anywhere. The American Medical Association recently reported that next to aspirin and non-aspirin pain relievers, Valium and Prozac are the two most popular drugs. At a British clinic, an examination of 500 patients confirmed that more than one-third of their visual problems was caused by emotional tension. A survey of about 5,000 students in 21 different universities confirms that worriers get the lowest grades. Wow. And again, I think technology has added pressure to our lives. The very things that were meant to make life easier have instead made life more stressful. What can I do about this? I love this quote. Former Major League Baseball player Mickey Rivers Talk about pure theology. Here it comes at you right now. He said this, Ain't no sense worrying about things you got control over. Because if you got control over them, ain't no sense worrying. And there ain't no sense worrying about things you got no control over. Because if you got no control over them, ain't no sense worrying. (laughs) He hit it right on the head. So, number one. First thing we can do, here's what I do. Here is how I deal with this. Here is the first thing that I do. Psalm 37, verse 5, the Bible says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Number one, is what I would suggest. Commit your problems to Him. Commit your problems to Him. When that, that word commit in the Hebrew means to roll off unto. It's a picture of like, picture something like with a big backpack on, all burdened down by it, and, and, and they just roll that thing off and just get that off their shoulders completely. That's what it means to commit your way or your problems to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Your problem is not your problem. 
Your response to your problem is your problem. Your problem is not your problem. See, the problem is when you make the problem your problem because the problem is not your problem. Did you guys write that down? (laughs) Your response or lack of response, which, by the way, is a response to your problem, is your problem. Watch the first words out of your mouth. James 3 tells us our words are like the rudder on a ship or like the bit in the mouth of a horse. Both the bit and the rudder give direction to the whole thing. And he compares the tongue, a very small member, like the small little rudder that controls a gigantic ship. Small little bit that controls a big, strong horse. Watch the first words. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Or God is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You got to get your, let me say it like this. You got to get your butt in the right place. Gas is up where I live. Gas is four fifteen a gallon. So you can say someone can say, "Well, God supplies all my needs," but gas is four fifteen a gallon. Or you can say, "Gas is four fifteen a gallon," but God supplies all of my needs. God supplies my needs. But have you seen the? But have you seen the price of real estate? The price of a car, the price of whatever. Or, yeah, I've seen the price of real estate, but God's for me. Who can be against me? You got to get your butt in the right place. So commit your problems to the Lord. Give them all to him. Just roll those things off on him. The first thing we can do to win over worry, Psalm 37, verse 5, Roll those cares, roll those burdens. Give all those things to the Lord. He will not just come and grab them from us. We have to give them up. We have to roll those things over upon him. Are you with me now? We have to cast those cares upon the Lord. So the first thing we can do is to commit our problems unto the Lord. The Bible says this in Psalm 55, verse 22, from the message, Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. He'll never let good people topple into ruin. That's Psalm 55, verse number 22. Now, I think a lot of times stress is the result of us overestimating the size of our problem. And we finally face it. It wasn't such a big deal after all. But when we don't, it just gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. In fact, what are you magnifying? Whatever it is that we look at and we look at and we look at, it grows. The Bible says to magnify the Lord. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Keep your eyes fixed on His Word. Are you with me? Magnify Him and watch the problems diminish. But you magnify the problems and watch in your mind anyway, God's power diminish. Now, it never really does. It just does as far as you think that it does. So, whatever holds our attention is magnified. Whatever holds our attention is magnified. People often worry about problems that never even show up. Remember about 14 years ago? Y2K? People were freaking out. The entire banking system is going to collapse around the globe. We can't even drive down the road anymore. It's going to all just collapse. It's going to be utter chaos. I knew guys who were stockpiling food, stockpiling 
I don't know, these things, these heater things for their fireplace because they weren't going to have any power and all this and that, you know. People were just flipping out over Y2K. I know a guy that took thousands of dollars out of the bank out of fear that the bank was going to collapse and stashed it somewhere in his house and somebody broke in and stole his money. No joke. And Y2K came and Y2K went and Y2K about Y2K. Remember how it was back then? So people, and they're stressing and they're freaking out and everything else. People oftentimes stress over problems that never even show up. Somebody said, worry is the advance interest you pay on troubles that seldom come. So people worry about stuff that never even happens many times. Mark Twain said, I'm an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never even happened. And so we want to watch that. Now, the Bible says that uh, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, see these things as light affliction. If God's for you, who can be against you? So put your problems to work for you. J.C. Penney said, I'm grateful for all my problems. After each one was overcome, I became stronger and more able to meet those that were still to come. I grew in all my difficulties. So just grow through them. Just grow through them. Just put them to work for you. So number one, you want to just cast that. Commit your problems to the Lord. Number two, very similar thought. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Number two, cast your cares and worries upon the Lord. Just give him your cares. Give him your worries. When I do this, I verbalize it. I pray it out loud. I say, Lord, I'm giving you this concern. I'm giving you this worry. I'm giving you this stress. Lord, I'm, I cast this anxiety over upon you. When I go fishing, I cast a line away from me, not at me. It says to cast. We know what we do? We cast and we reel it right back up again. And then we hear a message like this and we cast and then, you know, we go home and watch too much CNN or we something happens at work and we roll it right back up again, right? And there it is again. Hey, cast that thing and cut the line. It's the only time when it's good to cut the line when you're fishing. Cast it and just cut it and let it go. So I just verbalize this. I pray this. Lord, I'm casting all my cares upon you. I'm casting all my cares and my concerns and my worries and all that's trying to come against me. I just give all of that to you right now. And then I picture in my mind me handing them to the Lord. I picture in my mind me just releasing them and putting them over into his hands. Amen. So cast your cares and your worries upon the Lord. And then number three, concentrate on the right things. Concentrate on the right things. Commit your problems to the Lord. Roll them over unto him. Just roll them off unto him. Cast your cares and worries upon the Lord. And number three, concentrate on the right things. Turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians, if you will. Chapter number four. Philippians, please. Chapter number four. And we'll begin in verse number six. Philippians four, verse number six. Concentrate on the right things. The battle is in our thinking. 
The battle is in our minds. Once we've cast our cares on the Lord, we've got to get our minds going in a different direction. We just can't leave it neutral because it's going to get bombarded again by cares and worries and everything else. We've got to take control of our thoughts, and we are in control of our thoughts. Concentrate on the right things. Notice here Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious. That means don't be worried, burdened down, nervous, or whatever, for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. When we're burdened down by worry, we're yearning for the peace of God. When we're burdened down by worry, we're awake at night. We're hurting our own health. And it's the peace of God that we need. You know, one of God's names is the Lord, our peace. God's desire is is for us to have peace. He desires peace in our lives so much. One of his names is the Lord, our peace. Seven covenant names of God all reveal God's character. They reveal God's absolute will. It is his will for us to have peace tranquility to have peace like Jesus with a storm raging around they had to wake him up what did he say peace from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks he was at such peace and such rest fishermen were afraid of the waves he sound asleep on a pillow they had to wake him up they said like what Martha said Lord don't you care that we're perishing? He stands up. Peace be still. Then he asked them, why are you so fearful? Why did you doubt? You guys could have done this. You could have this kind of peace in the midst of the storm. The Bible here says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then verse 8, concentrate on the right things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue... If there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. You want to concentrate on the right things. And it takes discipline. It takes a mental discipline to keep my cares cast on the Lord and to concentrate on the right things, to look in the right direction to think on these things. And all these things here, the Word of God meets all of those qualifications. Listen, you are in charge of your thought life. So deposit only positive thoughts in your memory bank. Everyone faces plenty of unpleasant, 
discouraging situations. But unsuccessful and successful people deal with them in completely opposite ways. Unsuccessful people take them to heart. They dwell on the unpleasant situations. They don't take their minds off of them. And they deposit them in their memory bank. At night, the unpleasant situation is the last thing they think about. On the other hand, confident, successful people don't give it another thought. Successful people specialize in putting positive thoughts into their memory bank. So do this. In those moments when you're alone with your thoughts, when you're driving your car or you're eating alone or somewhere by yourself, recall pleasant, positive experiences. Put good thoughts into your memory bank. Just before you go to sleep, deposit good thoughts into your memory bank. Count your blessings. Recall the many good things you have to be thankful for. Think on these things. Philippians 4 reads like this in the New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Concentrate on the right things. Jesus said in John 14, don't be worried and upset. Jesus told them, believe in God and believe in me. Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So, commit your problems to him. Cast all your cares and your worries upon him. Concentrate on the right things. If we will do these things, if we will do these things, if we will do these things, we will win over worry. Worry comes to everybody. These thoughts come to everybody. Anxiety comes against everybody. And if we'll put these things to work, we'll win over worry. We'll know the peace of God. So why don't we right now bow our heads and let's pray. Why don't we right now put it to work? Tonight, if you've come in and something worrisome has happened, something worrisome has been happening, I mean, the spectrum is huge. Worries at work, financial worries, worries in our, in our relationships, in our families, Children, maybe away from God. Loved ones away from God. Unsure about perhaps your future and things of that nature like that. I mean, the spectrum is, is, is gigantic. Worry can come in all shapes and sizes and from all kinds of directions. But we know what to do. Commit our problems to him. 
cast our cares and worries upon him, and then concentrate on the right things. Why don't we right now put that to work? Father, we worship you. We thank you. One of your covenant names is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. It is your will for us to live free of worry, free of stress. It's going to come at us, but it doesn't need to burden us down. We're to live free of all these things, to cast our cares upon you because you care for us, to not worry about anything, but seek first your kingdom, not worry about tomorrow. We're to enjoy today, today. And so, Lord, tonight I pray, if any of us tonight have come in, and I perceive many of us have, with worries, cares, and anxieties, doubts trying to attack our mind, fear trying to attach itself to us, right now, right now, in Jesus' name, we cast those cares upon you. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we roll off this burden, all this weight over unto you right now. Lord, right now, right this moment, we commit every problem unto you. We release it. We let it go. In our mind's eye, we just see those worries and those cares just being cast over upon you. You said, casting all of our care upon you because you care for us. So right now, we let all of that go. You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. You say we will receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. So right now, we receive, we believe, we receive perfect peace. The peace, not as the world gives, that you give unto us. The world doesn't even have it to give, but it comes from you. Shalom. Shalom, shalom is Isaiah 26.3. Perfect peace. It's perfect peace that will guard our hearts and guard our minds. We thank you. In fact, Proverbs says that our sleep shall be sweet. Chapter 3. So, Lord, tonight, tonight, we're going to sleep good. Our cares have been cast over on you. In fact, the last thing we're going to think about before we go to bed tonight is, I've cast all my cares upon the Lord because he cares for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. We're going to think on the right things, think on these things. So, we cast it upon you. We're not going to reel that back in like a fisherman. We're going to let that go. If it tries to come back, we're going to say, nope, nope, that night, that service, that night. I let that go. I distinctly remember letting that go. And it's going to stay with the Lord. So, Lord, we worship you. We thank you. Why don't we just right now, right where we sit, just begin to praise him for his goodness. Thank him for his peace right now. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for your peace. 
You never leave us nor forsake us. You're on the inside of us. All of your goodness, all of your peace, all that you are is on the inside of us tonight. Thank you. We worship you. We let all that stuff go. And they could be huge, but we let that go. We walk by faith and not by sight. We believe we receive your perfect peace. Every care, every concern, every worry. Now, Lord, thank you for giving us wisdom on making right decisions. If anyone's right now, just there's this huge decision looming. Thank you we have wisdom, our steps ordained by you. James tells us if we lack wisdom, if we need wisdom, ask, and you give it abundantly. So we ask you, Lord, for your wisdom. We thank you we have your wisdom to make right decisions, good decisions, Lord. We'll let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise your wonderful name. And tonight we thank you. Tonight we praise you. We give you honor and we thank you. It's all in your word. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just take this peace home with us tonight. Let's just relax. Keep those cares cast on him. Amen. Let's sleep good tonight. Before you get ready to go to bed, just maybe read some of these scriptures or maybe some favorite ones you have. Just put that word to work in your life. Keep those cares cast over on him. Keep this kind of peace every single day. Don't have to drink it. Don't have to snort it. Don't have to smoke it. Don't have to whatever it. It's right here. It's, it's from him. Are you with me? Let's live it. Glory to God. God bless you. Thank you tonight. I'm very blessed to be here. And uh, I'll be back next week. I'm going to share next week a message, I believe, on remembering to forget. And there are some things you got to just remember to forget, right? And there are some things we can't forget to remember. We'll talk about that next week. So maybe you know somebody who could really uh, use some help along those lines. Bring them to church. It'd be great. Mark's going to come right now. God bless you. Thank you very much. My pleasure to be here tonight. Thanks for coming out tonight.